0: this is Mustafa Fahim. I am the host of the Sex Education Podcast for Men. I am here with my friend Najib, and today we're going to be talking about sex performance and anxiety and How that manifests for men in different ways throughout their life. Me and him are gonna go through our own personal experiences and see what we can gunture out of it. Hopefully, this will be an educational experience for everyone that's listening. I know I've experienced it throughout my whole entire life from self esteem issues to comparing myself to what I saw in pornography and how my friends talked about it. It was definitely hard for me to navigate those waters on my own. So, that's why this podcast was started, so we can learn and be a part of it together and be vulnerable together and learn from one another. Najib, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Happy to be a part of this journey uh, with you. And I think this is great. I've always been passionate about a separate topic, sex, education and men's health. And so this is kind of an arena for All of those things in in one book. So happy to be here.
0: And I really appreciate you coming on the show. You have a lot of knowledge and wisdom and personal experience that I think will be very valuable for anyone that's listening. It doesn't have anything to do with, you know, modern times or anything. You can listen to this podcast at any point in your life and it can resonate um, at some point. So, sex performance and anxiety, where do you think this anxiety stems from? Is it poor body image? Do you worry about your your penis not measuring up to what you've seen in porn or what you think it should look like? so on and so forth? Does it stem from problems in relationships? Where do you think it really stems from and comes down to?
1: How it presents for men generally could come from any of those areas that you listed. I think for me personally. A lot of it was around penis size and what I assumed my partners would be looking for in terms of penis size. So that was a big part of it for me. And then another part of it for me was also body image related where I, as a younger person, I was a lot heavier. And so I allowed how people perceived me and how people treated me because of my weight to dictate how I showed up in sexual experiences or the types of partners that I was trying to engage. So that's kind of, I guess, how it showed up for me is is a combination of those things. But I do think, you know, porn plays into things like that and relationships between partners play into that as well.
0: For me, it was mainly porn and poor body image. I was always really skinny growing up and I was made fun of for being really skinny, especially intermediate school and high school. And then I got into working out a lot to the point where it was like almost an addiction. I was always working on myself trying to get to you know a nicer body, a nicer body, a nicer body. And I found myself like every time I was making that progression, I still wasn't satisfied no matter how how good I looked physically and also came from porn. It was was really, as you know, watching it, you see extremely large penises, you see the perfect women, things that you would normally fantasize about. And I had the thought that like, this is what sex should look like and be like. And I was always trying to imitate or, you know, make myself look like a porn star, I guess, in a male sense and i had sex the same way as well i wasn't really pleasuring my women or anything like that i didn't know how to all i knew was from what i was watching in porn and it made me feel very poor about myself i kind of felt you know yucky afterwards it would manifest for me in ways where i would get extreme shortness of breath or i wouldn't be able to even get aroused um at some points and I I knew I had to separate myself from the room and let her know what was going on. As I got older, I got better at letting them um letting them know what's going on. But when I was younger, I would always try to make it about them and project it on them and say it's their fault. It's the reason why like I'm not having it. Like I would say they're not pleasuring me, right? Or whatever the case may be. And I was very negative and very much an asshole in that sense. So that's how it came up for me and I learned over time that I just had to get more and more comfortable in my own skin and who I am as a man and what I wanted to be and find out where I want my life to go. I never foresaw myself doing a podcast like this. This is completely out of my comfort zone, but I've just felt like it was calling onto me to try to create a space and Try to be as vulnerable as possible so people like you and me can have these conversations and not make it weird anymore.
1: Well, this is my zone. So like, yeah, <laughs> the universe brought us together for a reason. For sure. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, I understand how it manifests for you.
0: How did it manifest for you like in, you know, the bedroom itself when you were gearing up to get ready to do it?
1: You know? um, in the moment, it would generally affect my arousal you know, in terms of either achieving erection or maintaining erection. That's how it kind of played in. It would be a negative loop cycle in my head that I would, that would start somewhere along the lines of this is the time when an erection is needed. You're not erect. You must become erect. Why are you not erect? Come on, get erect. And at that point, you know, it doesn't really matter what's happening. My my brain is cycling and my body is disconnecting. It's 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 not really responding in that regard. So that's what my experience was in the moment. I didn't really take on any of the kind of negative aspects that you did afterwards or whatever like in terms of leveling blame or anything like that. But it was difficult. It was a difficult spiral. It was difficult to admit to partners. And that's kind of generally, at least in the beginning, that was my experience regularly until I found tools to help me navigate it.
0: And what were those tools? How did you come across them?
1: I guess some of it with experience and time. Talking and communication was a big tool, whether that was in advance of a sexual encounter. And so for me, that that often meant at the time mentioning the size of my penis, or just specifically being like, I have a small penis and if the interaction doesn't change from there, then I was boosted a little bit that it, it wouldn't matter so much. And so then in the moment, my head doesn't spiral as quickly because I've told myself that this person doesn't care as much about that. So that was one thing, that was an initial thing. It took me a while before I had the language and the vulnerability to be able to say, hey, there are moments when I get anxious, or I get performance anxiety during sex. That was something that came much later in terms of being able to communicate that. Through experience, I learned that if I had the opportunity to either communicate about the anxiety or how the anxiety presented itself during the act, in the moment, if I could talk about that in advance, that helped me. And I also learned later on that being able to talk about it in the moment also helped me. Other things that helped were distraction, getting my brain to just literally focus on something else giving myself a task to do almost so that if i could focus on providing pleasure to my partner or shifting the flow of how things were going then i could distract my brain and probably organically become aroused again at a later time so distraction and making my giving my brain something to do was another tool after much experience something that i learned was kind of having Having a partner who has a sexual philosophy that aligns with mine. So that kind of going into sex, I, ha- I have a, a basic understanding of what this person looks for in a sexual experience. How they create their sexual experiences, how they show up in their sexual experience, or is there at least how they'd like to. And so that shifts things. That makes things very different when you have that kind of alignment with a partner. And the other, the other tool was just a simple two others. One is a simple knowledge that of how vast pleasure is, how vast sexual pleasure is. You know, realizing that sex is much more than a penis and a vagina. It could be so vast, and pleasure could be so vast. So that knowledge has, has greatly helped my sexual experiences, period, even outside of the realm of performance anxiety. The other part is breathwork. Breathwork has, has definitely been a, a valid tool
0: yeah i was going to touch on that as well breathwork has been huge for me and i realized the people i surround myself with also had a huge impact on my alertness about how i was going about my sexual life as i became more focused on myself and my own self-development i found myself shedding family members and friends that no longer served me in my life I felt like I was giving more than I than I was getting out of the relationship. It just felt like I was pouring water into a well that had a drain on the other side and it was never getting full. They weren't fulfilling relationships anymore. I outgrew them and I started bringing myself to different places around different people and getting out of my comfort zone and relearning how to make new friends and people with different perspectives. And that really changed basically everything. It opened up a whole new avenue of opportunities and possibilities in education that I didn't even know existed. That's essentially what snowballed me down this place. And I am very grateful for that experience and having the ability to be able to do that. How many people in the world would be able to say, you know, they can just cut off certain people in their life and be able to go... Find a whole new group of friends and really make them your chosen family and that's when I started to realize how I was acting and treating my sexual partners and having my sexual encounters it was very low energy very ego driven very ugly way to go about having a sexual experience this is how like I came down to started reading books about sexual education and reading articles about men's health, seeking out podcasts that can teach me about all these different things that I had no idea about. And that's what prompted me to create a space like this because I realized throughout my research and what I was looking for and trying to get answers to certain things for my own preference, for my own personal life, I realized there's a plethora of podcasts out there about sex. But there isn't one that I can say off the top of my head and just tell you that this is a safe space for men to have these types of conversations where it is not ego driven. The sexual conversation is not about how many girls that you have sex with or how many times you have sex like in a week. Or talking about how hot the women that you you got in are with—it's a very low energy. Doesn't add anything educational or any value to your life at all whatsoever. It's just shit talking. At the end of the day, that's exactly what it is. And getting anything out of my conversations that I was having with men in my early years, so I sought that out in personal, private conversations with men, and I always found it to be very good. When I you know separated myself out of that circle and found my new circle. It was very productive conversations and I thought, you know, there needs to be more talk about this because it relieved a lot of anxiety for me and it made me more mindful and more aware of how I approach my sexual experiences and encounters and that alleviated a lot of anxiety on top of breath work, on top of trying to live in the moment and that the orgasm is not the end-all be-all. Orgasm is great and everything, but you can have the most amazing sexual experiences without having, and the most beautiful and the most connecting and the most fulfilling sexual experiences without having an orgasm that can happen. And when I came to learn that, I just approached everything completely differently. And it really enhanced my sexual experiences, my relationships with people, both sexual and non-sexual, and it really made it a lot more fruitful, I would say, in the past couple of years. And I've really been honing in on, you know, the sex aspect of it maybe in the past three or four months, and it really has done wonders for me.
1: When you're able to kind of remove the proposed or assumed destination and kind of enjoy the journey, it really shifts things, in, especially in a in a sexual context.
0: For sure. I know you're married now, but in previous relationships, how did you go about opening up to your partners about the anxiety? What did it take for you to finally be open about it and say, "Okay, this is something I shouldn't be ashamed of and I should have the conversation."
1: Before my marriage, for a number of years I was single and actively dating. You know, at a at a certain point, I guess, being honest with myself, because I was actively dating, this scenario of navigating a new sexual partner was something that I had to face, I guess, a little bit more frequently than I had previously. I guess for full clarity and transparency, I was married very young for a period of 10 years, and then I, I was subsequently divorced and single for a period of about seven years, and now I'm, I'm remarried. During those seven years is when I learned a lot about myself. And in terms of being able to communicate about the anxiety, a lot of times it depended on the nature of the relationship I was nurturing with a partner. And some of those were strictly sexual relationships in nature, and others were perhaps a little bit more romantic, or a friendship would develop with time. And so I guess in each of those circumstances, there were different types of communication that I employed. And generally, if it was going to be a sexual relationship that I was engaging in or or nurturing, initially the the, the conversation would, I feel like a lot less upfront, but inadvertently mentioned my feelings about the size of my penis. I say that now because I now know that my assumptions of, of the size of my penis were internal to me. They weren't necessarily global assumptions as I thought they were. Often that's where it would start. And again, depending on the nature of the relationship, I think the deeper a relationship got or the closer somebody would get to me, the more I was able to share with them. And I would share information based on how close I needed somebody to get or how much information I needed to share in order to curate where I was trying to lead a relationship, which wasn't always into a a long-term romantic relationship.
0: Kind of... Have the similar experience. It just became more about the energy the person would exude. I know a lot of people in my life and that I've known for years that I wouldn't be able to have the conversation about my anxiety. And there's some people that I knew for a week, but they were just so open and so flowing and non judgmental that I knew this is, you know, a safe space for me to open up about it. So, I had no issues talking about it with them. They also reciprocated the energy back. And many of the women that I was with, they also had performance anxiety of their own. They thought you know, they had to match what they were seeing in porn also um, as a porn star, or that's how sex should be. And they wanted to pleasure the man in the same way instead of trying to figure out what works best for them and what works best for their partner and not having that conversation before during and after sex. The more I started being a part of those types of conversations, especially with women because I thought like this was really a thing that was, you know, just for men. It's a weird place for men in sex, honestly, because we are much more proactive in wanting it, but we don't get to choose whether or not we have it, you know, type of thing. Um <laughs> Especially when you're single and like you're out at the bar and like trying to meet new people or, you know, you're out. The woman has to grant you the permission to, to have sex. Like we know right off the bat whether or not this is a person I'm sexually attracted to and want to have sex with. For me anyway, from my experience. But I wouldn't pursue that sexual side until I knew the woman was comfortable with it and wanted to pursue that with me. And when I was able to have those conversations and start having them, that's when everything really opened up and they shared their anxieties, their insecurities, which allowed me to open up about my anxieties and my insecurities. And now I don't feel ashamed about it, um, period, just because of having it so many different times in private settings. And that's what, you know, really prompted me to have this conversation in particular on this podcast.
1: Yeah. Gender rules. And conditioning in terms of, you know, you mentioned, I guess, the hunt and the acquisition of sexual experiences. I feel like a lot of that is a lot of where people reflexively act from and behave is, comes from conditioning. I don't believe for an instant that a, a man looks at a woman and thinks sex, or, and I don't think that women don't do the same. I, th- I think we've been conditioned that women will be approached and men will do the approaching. I, I think a lot of that is, is just ingrained, but I, 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 you know, I don't really.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's like an inherent thing, but society has conditioned us to go down that route or think this is the normal way about going about it. I love it. I personally love it when a woman goes out of their way to approach me because they're attracted to me in any sense. But more often than not, because of what society has dictated us, the gender roles, as you mentioned, play a huge part on navigating those waters and trying to pursue it for sure. So you often find men more on the pursuing end of things than women in general. But that's obviously not the case. Both men and women want sex unless, you know, they have no interest in it. But for the most part, both of them want it and we're both thinking it. But we've been psychologically Condition to believe that, like, the woman holds off, she doesn't pursue, she'll be granted as promiscuous or slutty or whorish, which I find abysmal. I mean, it shouldn't be that way. We're all sexual beings. If we want to have sex with someone, you should be able to pursue that without any judgment coming from society or other people or um, anything like that. But we have to live with the conditions that we, you know, we live under and we have to slowly chip away at the societal norms that are no longer working for us. And that way we can make long, everlasting change in the way we view and talk about sex. Is there any takeaways for other men out there that you want to give? Any advice that you want to share?
1: Yeah, I think generally, unfortunately, as, as men, we stereotypically show up in sexual experiences especially in heterosexual experiences as selfish and unable to be vulnerable and i I would definitely suggest that there is reward in being vulnerable i would suggest that one of the biggest pillars to be established in a sexual relationship one of the biggest beneficial pillars to be established in a sexual relationship is trust. That's not something that, that is often passed around the locker room in, in terms of gaining trust and creating trust and demonstrating trust and providing a, a, a safe environment. Those elements were not elements that I received, that I was told that I could create, that I could nurture, that I could make central to a sexual experience. So I think in terms of takeaways and passing on nuggets, those, those are things I, w- I would like to pass on. Specifically with reference to performance anxiety, that trust and, and safe environment provides the avi- ability to be vulnerable. And hopefully if a conversation, if you haven't had a vulnerable conversation before a sexual experience, but you might need to have one during a sexual experience, hopefully that, that, that trust and safety can provide the space to have a conversation like that if there were ways in which to diminish some of the guards of masculinity, so to speak, in order to provide men space to be a bit more vulnerable, I think we'd have a lot more pleasurable experiences.
0: I agree. And for me, I would also say, try to have these conversations in a private setting with one or two of your closest friends that are male. It tends to get In a weird situation, because nobody wants to get vulnerable, as you add more and more men into the conversation, for whatever reason, there's like this weird dichotomy going on with guys, and nobody wants to be the first one to be vulnerable. It's usually the first guy that is willing to put himself out there and be vulnerable in that group setting is really taking a huge risk because he could either backfire and everyone start laughing at you for, you know, being vulnerable. Or it can create the space to have the conversation. But either way, it's a win, because if you have the conversation, that means you know you've surrounded yourself with good people that are willing to break down some walls and shed some light on their own experiences to make you feel more comfortable about yourself and for themselves. And on the other side, if they start becoming egotistical and like making fun of you for being vulnerable and not really, And I'm really being supportive of you having the courage to go out there on a limb like that, then you know, okay, maybe it's time for me to surround myself with different groups of people that are willing to have this conversation because this is something that's important to me and I want to grow and be better. And if I find that I can't open up with these groups of people, then I need to shed them in due time. Take your time. Everyone has their own process for that. Go about it in your own way and then start surrounding yourself with people that will have that conversation and you will see things will just get better from there.
1: I definitely think there's merit in having conversations within male circles. If you have people you can talk to, if that isn't an option or that option doesn't quite work out beneficially, then obviously there's therapy in terms of male sexual performance anxiety that that's something that that is much more common it is very common period i would definitely offer that for those that do have trusted partners or long-term partners that they are continually building trust with i would also say that you know it's not a one-and-done kind of conversation these are things that play up differently in different sexual experiences Within the same partnership on a different day, you know, because of other stress factors, it can be a conversation that might be had multiple times throughout a, a longer relationship.
0: As we change and grow and become different people throughout our lives, your insecurities and your anxieties are, are going to change along with that. What you're anxious and self conscious about today will be completely different maybe in a year or two. If I go back 15 years, I'm trying to find my 15, 16-year-old body. I can't find that body anywhere, but this is still, kind of, it's still the same body. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, yeah. as I get older, my body's changing. What I'm insecure about is going to change also.
1: What, one of the things I didn't mention earlier that I do think is important is my current partner, my, my, my wife, has an amazing ability to diffuse my sexual performance anxiety. I'm gonna say my anxiety just generally, but particularly on this subject, it's like a pin in a balloon. She could just psssh. but even with that amazing skill mind manipulation, whatever it is that she does, you know, I still have the ability to table the conversation. I still have the ability to to talk about it. Even with her mind control skills, you know, the anxiety still is able to pop up. I I can be in a situation where I know that she's going to pull out that magic pin of hers and just, and my brain will still just kind of spiral off. So even the knowledge (laughs) that she's skilled at handling my anxiety, combating it, whatever, whichever way you want to look at it, even that doesn't always keep the anxiety down, so to speak, or keep it at bay.
0: For me, it's a day to day thing, hour to hour, you know, moment to moment. Like one minute I can have full blown anxiety, the next minute I'll be, I can be completely calm. But as you said, with the right therapist and the people that you talk to on a regular basis, and having supporting, a good supporting cast that you love and know you can go to with anything anything's possible. And as long as you're constantly communicating about it and having an open-ended conversation, because as you said, it is open-ended. It's a book that's going to continuously write throughout your whole entire life. And the more that you're okay with that, the less it shows up in your life. I noticed for me, the more I focus on the anxiety, the worse it gets. The more I accept that I am having anxiety, it goes away. Because now that I have accepted it, that I'm having it in this moment, and I'm like, okay, there's nothing I can do right now. I have the anxiety. It will pass just like anything else. I'm just going to sit here and be with it and make space for it. It takes the power away from it and it's gone. I think you know that's a really useful thing for everyone to to know and don't judge yourself for it. It's okay. We all go through it. Any last thoughts?
1: No, thank you for having me. I hope we continue to, to have these. They're very much needed. And I would love to talk to you again.
0: Me too. And I would love to have you back on the show. You're definitely going to be um, a regular. You have so much knowledge in this field. Not just related to sex performance and anxiety, but so many different other things and so many different other topics in the, in the realm of sex. So, sex is just so fast. And we, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, for yeah. sure. And we all should be um, to a certain extent. You don't have to be full blown like into every single thing, want to write books, be a part of conferences. But you sh- just like watching the news or anything that's going out in the world, you should brush up on some stuff just so you have that basic understanding and basic education. I think that we all need to have a fruitful, healthy, and prosperous sexual and romantic relationships. Thank you, Najib. I really appreciate you taking the time.
1: All right. Talk to you soon.
0: Take care, guys.